Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. Never Ever Give Up Hope is a show about people who have done that. They never gave up, no matter what. No matter what the circumstances were that they were going through, no matter what the opposition was, no matter what the hurdles that they had to cross, they didn't give up. They stay focused. And many of my guests have survived incredible circumstances ones that they possibly didn't think they could endure or get through and yet they did as a result they have a passion to help others who may be going through something similar and this is a common thread that runs through every story because i'm a firm believer that everybody out there has a story and also everybody out there is looking for a story a story similar to their own a story they can relate to some of my guests have survived extreme poverty or disease or abuse. Some have had to come up against serious depression. Some have had to fight to survive. But every single one of them chose to thrive, chose to be a victor instead of a victim. And so I'm so happy to have this platform to share their stories. We're now heard in over 140 countries, reaching every corner of the globe, which just shows me that people need to have stories of hope and encouragement. And also, without our listeners, we wouldn't have a show. So I thank each of you for listening, for your input, for your feedback. It is also very much appreciated. Today with me... I have a woman by the name of Natalie Jenkins. Now her story is one of those that is going to grab your attention and grab your heart. And most importantly, it's going to encourage anyone out there that needs a lift. I can guarantee that. She wrote a book entitled 14 Day Fiancé. Now immediately that conjures up all kinds of questions. What does that mean? Did he leave her? Well, Natalie is going to share that story with us and I guarantee you, you're going to love it. Welcome Natalie. Thanks for having me. So let's start with your love story. Okay. And everybody loves a love story, so share your story with us. Okay. Well, it all started a couple of years ago, back in 2016, that's actually when I met Jason, and that was the name of my fiance. And um, my aunt actually set up the relationship because I had never 
it was a complete blind date is what it was and um, I'll never forget the first time I met him <laughs> and he was like a foot taller than me and like 300 pounds heavier than I was <laughs> but he was the sweetest guy like he was a gentle giant if you know put it into words like he was such right. a good guy he was a school teacher and he loved his job like he absolutely love the children the relationship itself progressed very quickly we became engaged in within a year of dating um you know as we were adults he had his own place and a dog named charles that i loved so much but um the engagement in itself was um kind of unexpected i mean it was expected but like unexpected at the same time because he was sort of leading me to believe that he had bought me something other than a ring, we call these things tater and onion boxes in Kentucky. <laughs> and that's sort of what I thought it was because it's a handmade item. And he said he had bought a handmade item from Louisville. But it actually turned out to be an engagement ring and he proposed on Christmas Eve. And your response was? Yes. I said yes. <laughs> he actually done it on a fire truck at my grandparents' house is where he proposed to me. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So the whole neighborhood was watching. But, yeah, he was dressed up as Santa Claus and he got out of the fire truck. Oh, my goodness. Yes, and um, he turned me around like I wasn't allowed to see. And then as he turned me around, I saw a banner drop down out of the fire truck because his friend was a firefighter. And it said, uh, will you make me Will you make me the happiest man alive? And I turned around, and there he was holding a ring and asked me, will you marry me? And he said, do you want to be Mrs. Claus? Well, and then we started planning the wedding, actually. And that's when everything started to take a, a turn because... Um, I went and started shopping for wedding dresses like as soon as that happened and the day i actually got my wedding dress was the day he got killed in a car accident oh, by a drunk driver my word. the day you got your wedding dress okay yes. so walk us through that step by step of what how you found out and how you responded i'm sure that uh absolute denial was probably your first response oh yeah it was it was his mom actually called me to tell me that he would he had been in a car accident and as soon as she told me that and she was hysterical and I became hysterical too after that and you know I got in my car as quickly as I could and it actually happened not too far from my house and by the time I got there I knew it was bad because they wouldn't let me get around him at all I couldn't see him I couldn't you know get around the ambulance or anything I was in denial at first because I um, I was mostly worried at first because I knew what they told me the only thing they told me was wrong with him was he had two broken legs and I was like well okay you know we can get through this right you know it'll be all right and then it started to uh, decline you know as time progressed and um, I know what they when you say time did you mean like right there like a matter of minutes or yes like a matter of minutes Okay. (laughs) like um, when the helicopter came because he had to be airlifted to the closest trauma center and they put him in the helicopter and um, within five minutes of getting to the, you know, to the hospital, he had already died. Like they had called and informed me that he had died on the way to the hospital. And was it uh, head trauma or? Um, no, it was actually from cardiac arrest. He went into shock is what oh he died my from. Goodness. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. So now you, you're you with his mom, I'm assuming, at this point? I remember going into the, the uh, hospital room where she was at and it was just awful like she the look on her face was just indescribable my first thoughts were you know oh my gosh you know this can't be real this can't be real and I had to I stepped outside and I took a minute to myself to you know to think and I went back in there but 
I still couldn't accept it. I also couldn't wrap my head around why something like this would happen to me. So there are different stages of grief Mm -hmm. that you have to go through. Now, the first one here, I think, even before, like you said, denial was probably shock. Yes. So tell us, walk us through those steps and how you dealt with that. How I dealt with the shock. Well, the first thing, like when I found out he had died, all I could do was just scream. Like that was it. And it wasn't, it's not like how they portray it in the movies. Like when you, something like this actually happens in real life, it is the worst it's the worst scream you could ever possibly imagine. Like, I didn't even know I could do something like that. And, but within the shock, like, I couldn't cry. Uh, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't talk. All I could just say was, why me? Why me? I think after that, I was in shock for a couple of days after that. Because, um, you know, then the denial started to set in, like, really good after that. But um, I was in shock until the funeral, basically. And then you had to start to cope and had to start to deal. So how did mm-hmm. you, how did you do that? Were you angry? I was very angry. Angry doesn't even begin to describe what I felt. And it wasn't necessarily anger. It was more anger towards the fact that Jason had died. And then there was anger at the boy who actually killed him. You know, it, anger was something that stayed with me for a very long time. And I have just now recently been able to get through that. And how did you process that? I went to a therapist. I had to go to therapy. Um, I'm still in therapy, actually. And um, that helped a lot as far as anchor goes. But I also had PTSD and severe depression because I had, um, throughout the grieving process, I got to the point where I wanted to kill myself. Like, I couldn't I couldn't go on anymore. Now, if, if you have done any studying along this subject, this has come up a lot recently, and I'm wondering if you could maybe shed some light. When you said PTSD, mm-hmm. that is from a one-time incident. Now, normally what we have um, experienced in the past when people have uh, that kind of trauma is it's over a prolonged period of time. Mm-hmm. So do you have you done any research along that? yourself and if so can you shed some light on that of what actually happens in the one time occurrence where you're thrown into that kind of depression i haven't really done a lot of research from it but i know from my personal perspective it's witnessing the trauma that happens like you don't just it's when you see somebody that you know somebody that you love it is it's an indescribable level of trauma that you feel when you see them just laying there basically and it's it's terrible and the flashbacks are awful and then there's nightmares that continue to go along with it and the nightmares were probably worse than the flashbacks so this didn't happen that long ago and yet you've already written a book about this yes yes i have so so what triggered that to do that walk us through that well i actually had a dream and in this dream i was told to write a book and so I listened. Uh, I decided to write a book, and it actually helped me. It was very therapeutic, very cathartic. Of course, of course. Because I was able to get all of my feelings out on paper, and it, it helped so, so much. In what way? It was, I was able to express my anger in a way because I was able to, you know, write down everything that had happened because, you know, the accident. I wouldn't necessarily call it an accident because everything was covered up, and I got to explain how it was covered up or why it was covered up. I also got to talk about my healing process and, you know, how that worked for me and how long it took me. What do you mean by covered up? You mean by the police? Yes, by the police. And it why? Was, 
because the boy that killed him where he was in the fire department he was also a police officer and they just covered it up like they they didn't oh, want my word yes <laughs> so i didn't have any closure either so i had to learn how to cope with that as well and still to this day still to this day there's no closure if anything they attack me because they try to make me out to be the bad person even though i'm the victim in this situation and how did you deal with that did you fight back or did you just accept it walk away I did not fight back. I did just accept it because I had no, there was no other way I could have accepted it. I know I felt a lot of defeat as well with that because, you know, I seriously wanted something to happen because I knew he was wrong and I knew what he did was wrong. But here I was, I had to sit and face it. And, but I just, I gave into it. I couldn't do anything. So I had to accept it. And what about his mom? Uh, Whose mom? Jason's mom? Yeah. Was she in the same position as you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like I know she has, um, she has tried to fight back and get some things done, but it's not done anything. Did this make you lose faith in humanity? Yes. Yes, it did. So how do you cope with that? How do you deal with that? I try to look for the good in everybody. And I have a problem with that because it, it causes me to be easily taken advantage of. But I do, um, there for a long time, I just absolutely could not with humanity. It was more or less like trying to look for the good people in everybody, just like I said, but um, my faith in humanity did diminish because I couldn't understand, you know, why do these people, why do you want to drive drunk? Why can't you just drink at the house, you know? And then you see all these people who are, then you see all these people who are complaining about their marital life problems. And then (laughs) I question why they're complaining about that when I've had to deal with this. You know, it made me, um, it made me stronger in a way in that sense because I don't complain as much as I normally do. Well, you do sound strong now, so you did Mm -hmm. find a way to get through this. Oh, yeah. Okay, you said you had therapy. Mm -hmm. And um, tell us a little more about your book, too. Is the book a full story of your romance and what happened? or? The whole premise of the book actually starts from the beginning of, well, a little bit of of the beginning of my life. And then we went to the whole relationship. I do go into detail about the relationship, then what happened how it was covered up, and then the therapy, describing therapy processes, and, you know, encouraging others to kind of reach out and get the help that they need, because that is something we seriously need right now. The healing process, how long do you think that, I mean, there's there's no way you can guess how long it will take, but mm-hmm. have you seen a lot of progress in this area in your own life, and how can it be an encouragement to someone who might have suffered something, a shock of this nature? Uh, through the healing process, I know that uh, there is no way to uh, actually, just like you said, measure it. But you know, um, going forward, you have to you have to keep pushing. You have to keep going forward. You know, there is there is reason to go on, and that is um, what I had to try and convince myself. Because um, you know, like I said, I lost my reason to live. Everything I had to live for was gone in a blink of an eye. In an instant, everything was you know erased. And I had to try and find a reason to live. And, you know, that's something that I would encourage others to do as well. Did you have a support system around you? Yes, my family was very supportive around me. they done so much for me. <laughs> well, that is a great help because some people don't even have that, right? Right. So do you address that at all in, in your story? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. I talk about how my family helped me. And uh, I'll also talk about how you can, you know, reach out and get help if you don't have that kind of support. Because I That's know a lot of good, people don't. good. Mm-hmm. Yes. So a little more about your book. Is mm-hmm. it written as a novel or is it written as a self-help book? 
it is actually written as a memoir, but I guess it could be classified as a self-help book because that is what I use to describe it on the on Amazon and other places. And what have what is the key that you have that is a help for other people? Can you share that? The key to getting through something like this. The key to getting through something like I think it's different for everybody, depending on what the okay. situation is. Um, I know the key for me getting through it was obviously my faith and, you know, keeping that, you know, keeping that up and pushing through, but also finding other reasons to live. Basically just trying to be positive about it, trying to deal with it as best as I could. And it was very difficult because there for about six months was probably the hardest. Now, this didn't happen that long ago. Mm -mm. No, it would happen a little over a year ago. That is amazing. You sound like an extremely strong woman. Yeah. And to have your story out there already. I'm mm -hmm. sure you have your moments and you're going to continue. And I think that my guess is the message that you want to send to other people as well is if they do have those moments, not to give up. Right. Never give up. Never, ever give up. Because when you give up, you're sort of just defeating the purpose. You're not living your life to the way you should be. What I continue to do to go forward, honestly, is um, surrounding myself with friends. I do that a okay, lot. Okay. Writing also helps me go forward because I know I get to inspire others as well. And through my, you know, through my pain, I get to inspire others and hopefully help them with their pain. And that's, that's what keeps me going, mostly. And it's amazing when you can always find somebody who's hurting more than you, can't you? Oh, yes. Oh, and, yeah. And then you can take your story and help them. It's right. no matter what, how, you know, what you're going through yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, you are an incredible woman of strength to have gone through something this traumatic, this recent. You know, this wasn't mm -hmm. 10 years ago. This was very recent. Yeah. And to, and to have the desire and the passion to help somebody else. Who would be interested in reading this book? anyone that has been through any traumatic situations like I have been, especially, you know, women. And I know a lot of women that I've seen just recently who have lost husbands unexpectedly or things like that. And what makes this different than some of the other books out there that have similar stories? Uh, basically because I open up mostly about, you know, suicide and the importance of mental health in okay. just life in general. Okay, that's a very good point. Thank you for sharing that. Because mental health, especially as a victim of PTSD, is huge. Mm -hmm, and, it is. And to uh, be able to um, be strong through that. Now, what do you see in the future? Now, you're writing. Were you a writer before? I was actually a translator before. I can speak two different languages, French and Spanish. Okay. And I would, I would translate books, and that's what I would do before this oh, happened. Okay. Yeah. And what about your future? What do you see? Any more books? Yes, I do plan on writing a new book. I'm actually working on one right now, a novel. And I oh, a novel. Having... Are you going yes. to use trauma? Is trauma going to be one of the bases? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Natalie. I mean, You're I very welcome. I can't imagine going through that and being, especially as, as such a young woman, Mm -hmm. And having the strength to come out and share your story with others. I look forward to reading your book. And I'm, I know that it will be successful. And I thank you for sharing what you did. And also, that faith did get you through. Mm -hmm. And that is essential to have that to hold on to. And, and to, to grasp onto when you don't have anything else. Mm -hmm. 
So thank you so much for being on. You're Never, very, very welcome. Never, ever give up hope. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Never, Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.